0: Jonah chapter 3. It says, Then the word of the Lord came uh, to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And so Jonah rose, and he went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. And Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh. He arose from his throne. He removed his robe. He covered himself with sackcloth, and he sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, What they did, how they turned from the evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was angry. He prayed to the Lord, and he said, "O oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was in my country? "'This is why I made haste to leave to Tarshish, "'for I knew that you are a gracious God, "'merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, "'and relenting from disaster.'" Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life for me, for it's better for me to die than to live. The Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city, and he sat to the east of the city, and he made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would come of the city. The Lord God appointed a plant. He made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head, and to save him from his discomfort. And so Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up, the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, so it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. He asked that he might die, and he said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. The Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor nor did you make it grow which came into being in a night and perished in a night and should not I pity Nineveh that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle it's God's word Father we thank you for this word we thank you for this chance to draw near to you this chance for you to reveal your heart to us and reveal our hearts to you to call us to repentance, to call us to draw near, to call us to be more like you. Pray we'd come with open ears, receptive hearts this morning, and that you would just speak, and that you would draw near to us. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Good. It's great to see all of you, and uh, Man, it's, it's really good to be here to worship with you, uh, to open God's Word, and to, uh, to explore it this morning. Uh, the this, this story of Jonah, many of you are, uh, I'm sure, familiar with the, the story of Jonah. And yet, uh, as I was reading this morning, you might have been like, I don't remember any of this part <laughs> of the story of Jonah. And then the reality is, most of the time when we get into Jonah, uh, people are thinking of Jonah chapter 1, and maybe a little bit of chapter 2. And uh, typically the way that that you would tell the story is, yeah, Jonah was, uh, God called him to go to Nineveh, but he rebelled, and he went the opposite way on a boat, and then a storm came, and, uh, and the sailors threw him overboard, and he was swallowed by a fish, and in the belly of the fish he called out to God, and then God had the fish spit him out, and then he went to Nineveh, and Nineveh repented. It's typically how we would tell the story of Jonah, right? And so, so we just read through two chapters of what would be summarized as he went to Nineveh and Nineveh repented, right? But, but there's so much more in this account that God wants us to grab a hold of. And it's, and it's really, today's message is really all about how do we have a right relationship with God? How can we be rightly uh, aligned with God? How can we be close to him? How can we know that we are in a right standing uh, with the Lord. And, and, and as we look at this passage, there's really three things that we're going to look at. We're going to look at what it shows us about repentance. Uh, we're going to look at what it shows us about effectiveness. And then ultimately, we're going to look at what it shows us about God's heart for us. The first two relate to how we try and position ourselves with God. The third point has to do with the fact that there's good news God wants us to be rightly positioned with Him, right? He 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 loves us, and and He has a heart for us, and so we're going to look at that. But uh, but but if you would bear with me for just a moment, I want to I want to encapsulate a little bit of what we find in Jonah chapter one and two, uh, because they they play into what we see in three and four, and really as you pair the two things together, the book works in symmetry where uh, there's kind of the the Lord comes to Jonah, He tells him to give a message, Jonah responds, and then things happen, right? And and that happens twice. In the, in the story, and so you compare the first half to the second half, and you can kind of see these parallels and these contrasts that God wants us to grab out of it. So, as I mentioned, God came to, know, uh, to Jonah. Jonah was a prophet of the Lord. Uh, he's mentioned one other time in the Bible, and in that case, he's got a message of good news, of nationalistic pride. He's he's called to go to Israel and say, hey, Israel, good news. Uh, God is going to defeat the enemies around you. The, the borders are going to be secured. You're going to be preserved, and that's my message, and that's a message that every prophet wants to get, right? That's like the good news, like um, that, he can't wait to get out in the street and declare that because that's the message that the people want to hear, and so he had kind of made his name, his, his, his claim to fame was uh, was uh, being like a pro-Israel, national, like, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to be all right. God's got our back. And then suddenly God comes to him and says, hey, you know that, that enemy that I'm protecting you from? Yeah, I want you to go talk to them. And I want you to go tell them that destruction is coming unless they change. And... Um, and, and in chapter 1, we don't see inside of his motivation, so we don't know, hey, why does Jonah run away? Is it for fear? Is it, is it for, is, is he a conflict avoider? Any of you guys conflict avoiders? I am, right? Like, I want to just avoid conflict, so I'll go the other way to avoid. We don't know, but in chapters 3 and 4, we see his heart revealed, and in chapter 4, he says, God, this is what I said back in my country. Here's why I didn't want to do it, because I knew that you would forgive him. And so it's really, it's his, his hatred for the Ninevites and, and his disconnection from the heart of God, which is, leads him to get on this boat. And so he gets on the boat, and he's sleeping down in the hall, and this storm comes. God sends a storm, uh, because in his mercy, sometimes God sends storms into our lives to disrupt us when we're trying to flee from him, when we're trying to just be comfortable and take a nap, and, and he wants to get our attention. And so sometimes he'll send a storm. And, uh, and the, soldier, or the, the the sailors come to him, and they say, hey, we've been praying to all of our gods, and nothing seems to be working. Like, who, who, do you, who do you worship? What god is your god? What do you do? Where are you from? And he's like, well, I'm an Israelite. Did I mention? <laughs> it's his national pride. I'm very proud that I'm with Israel, and so therefore I worship uh, the god of, of all the, earth, the universe, the, the creator of heavens and earth. And they're like, whoa, well, like, pray to him. Like, ma- maybe he'll do something. And uh, Jonah's like, hey, you know, I don't know, I'm not really sure, you know. And so he, uh, he, he's not forthcoming. They throw lots to see whose fault it is, and the lot falls on him. And they're like, no, it's definitely your fault. Just tell us what's going on. How do we, how do we end this? And he's like, all right, I'm a prophet. I've been running from God. Uh, you're going to have to throw me in the ocean, and then the storm will go away. And they're like, no, 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 we don't want to do that. So they try and lighten the load. They try everything. These, these pagan sailors, now these sailors are not Israelites. These, these, are, these are uh people from other lands that worship false gods, and yet they're trying to preserve Jonah's life. They're begging him, like, tell us about the true God. Tell, right. They're doing everything they can. And Jonah's like, ah, no, 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 no. And so um, we don't know if God told Jonah, hey, the only way this is going to end is if you get thrown off the boat. That might have been the conclusion that Jonah jumped to. Maybe if Jonah had got down on his knees and prayed and said, God, I'm sorry, I repent. <laughs> Forgive me for running for you. Maybe the storm would have ended. We don't know, right? but ultimately he says, just chuck me in the water. And so, which is not out of character for him, as we see later in the story, right? A couple more times, he's like, God, just end it. I'm done, right? Um, and so finally they say, hey, we have no other choice. God, forgive us. Don't put innocent blood on in our hands. They throw him overboard. The storm stops, and the, the sailors are amazed, and they're in awe of God, and we're told that they, that they worship God, and they make vows to him. There's this, uh, this appearance of a genuine... Uh, Uh, conversion, that they they become worshipers of the one true God. And so then Jonah gets swallowed by the fish, he's in there, Uh, he prays this prayer that looks really good, Uh, and chapter two is basically his whole prayer, and it's a lot of humility, and it's a lot of, God, you're awesome. Um, But then at verse eight, he says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed to you. His prayer is very God-centered until the end, and he's like, oh, I'm not like those, those false idol worshipers. I'm, I'm going to fulfill my vow, and I'm going to do what I said. And his pride wells up. And, and here's the amazing thing. In his mercy, God says, hey, your repentance is partial, but I'll take it. <laughs> and he has the fish spit him out, and he says, hey, go to Nineveh, and that time he obeys. And so that brings us up to chapter 3. And, and so the first thing that I really want us to look at is this idea of repentance. We see repentance throughout this story. What is Repentance. What, what 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 does it mean to be repentant? And um, there's a there's a new uh, resource that we got. It's down in the resource room. It's a it's a workbook. It says walk really big on the front, and uh, it's a seven week journey uh, through discipleship. And and I would encourage you uh, this fall. I'm going to lead a group through it. Uh, I'm doing it individually with some people right now. Um, man, it'd be a great thing to grab with somebody and just go through. And uh, but in there, uh, in the first week, they jump into this idea of repentance. Uh, and and the, that, that workbook does a great job. What it describes repentance as, it says, Repentance is changing your mind and changing your direction. Repentance involves changing your mind and changing your direction. And I thought that was a really helpful idea, because uh, you, know, you, think, you know that if you've been in church for a little while, you know that the word repent means to, to think again, or it means to turn away, and so we describe it as you know, you're going towards sin, and then you turn, and you go the other direction, but I like how uh, in that book they talk about that it, it's, it's two turns. It's a turn of your mind, and it's, and it's a turn of your actions, and the problem is that, that partial repentance, where you only do one or the other, leaves you in a really uncomfortable place, and, uh, and, and here's where I'm talking to, to, to each person in here, because I know everybody in here is dealing with some sort of sin, right? Like, it's just uh, where uh, we struggle with it, and, uh, and sometimes the challenge is that, that in our mind we've turned. We're like, man, no, God, I know this is wrong. I don't want to do it anymore, and yet I, I keep finding myself falling into the trap, and sometimes that has to do with um, addictive things, right? That can be an addiction issue where you've developed a physical reliance on something, drugs, alcohol. Uh, but it, it can be a habitual sort of addiction. Um, uh, you know, uh, it can be gossip. It can be, um, it can be um, just watching things that you know that you're not supposed to watch. Um, it, it, it can be all these things, and you find yourself walking into these things. And so, it, 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 if anybody's ever been at that point, and I certainly have, right? The Apostle Paul talks about it. He says, "He says, what I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, I find myself doing." Right? And so, we, when you get in that spot, your your mind is turned, but your actions have not yet turned. And and if it's something that's addictive related, it might be that that you need help. God, God can heal things in an instant, but but sometimes. If you developed a habit or a pattern, the way to get out of it is, is to seek help, to seek counsel, uh, to seek, uh, to seek uh, accountability, uh, to seek training. You might need medical help. There might be things uh, that you have to do. And so I never want to get up here and just be like, oh, if you have enough faith, it'll just go away, right? Sometimes, yeah. We serve God of miracles. He can do anything. But sometimes he wants you to, to set your, like, like Jonah, right? Jonah couldn't just start proclaiming. He had to walk to Nineveh. He had to get on the right path and go. And, and, and maybe that's what God's speaking to you about this morning. Maybe there's something like, yeah, no, I've been struggling with this and I know it's wrong and I know I've got to do something. Um, and maybe God's encouraged you to just take some steps in that direction. The other way around with it is when your, your actions change. You have a change of actions, but, but you don't change your mind. And really what that means is that um, you got embarrassed because you got caught uh, or you felt ashamed. <laughs> Or, or you felt guilty, and so you quit doing whatever the thing was, but if you would never get caught and nobody would see it, you would go right back to it because your heart is still aligned with it. And that's a dangerous one, right? Because that's that's where our actions and our deeds uh, don't line up with our mind. So that puts us in the position of being a hypocrite right? We're, we're, we're doing something, but, but our heart is going in a different direction. And that's really what we see with, with Jonah here, right? Jonah goes to Nineveh, and he proclaims the word, but his heart is not aligned with God's heart. He doesn't want his message to succeed. He's hoping for his own failure. And so, uh, so, so it's a bad place to be. And so I would ask you, wh- which of these ones kind of reflects where you're at this morning? Is it your mind that needs to turn or, or is it your, your actions, your obedience that needs to turn? You've already realized, no, God, I know what I know what it is, I just need to change, right? Like, um, let me give you a tangible example, right? Like, uh, there's, there's a huge percentage of people that struggle with, with issues of lust, right? And, and the problem with that is that we objectify people. Uh, we, we look at someone as an object instead of looking at them as a person. Right, when when your mind turns and changes and and you begin to say like, hey, that that person that's being objectified, that was somebody's son or daughter. Somebody held them in the hospital and dreamed about what their life was gonna be, (laughs) right? They were probably like the cutest little first grader running around and through events and courses and decisions they made and whatever in their life, they're now in a position where maybe they're openly embracing being objectified, but they're still a person. And when you begin to think of it that way, It changes, right? It's a turning of the mind where you don't think about it in the same sort of way and it can change your behavior. But the easier way to go is to just just to turn people into objects, to objectify, just to to feed into that. But God doesn't devalue people in that way. So what are some of the signs of an unrepentant heart? We see them on full display here. First one is anger. If you, if, you, if you really wrestle with anger in your life, it's, it's, it's probably a, a decent indicator that there's some area where your heart and your actions are not aligned with the heart of God. <laughs> and, and you're feeling that tension, and that tension erupts as anger because you feel that dissonance, that, that discord in your life, like, oh, I'm not doing what I really want to be doing, or I really want to do this, but I'm not doing it. Or I feel guilty because I feel like God wants me to do it, but I don't want to do it in my heart, right? Like, and and then it, it erupts in anger. You lash out. Jonah's pretty angry. I don't know if I've ever been so angry that I said, I'm so angry I want to die, right? <laughs> my anger has not reached that level, but uh, but that's not, I'm not patting myself on the back there or anything, right? Like, part of the, the way that we can become angry with God is when we, when we look at him as in, in a two-dimensional way, we, we minimize his character. And so, so, Jonah says some pretty awesome compliments about God, and he says them as an insult, right? He says, oh, I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. He's mad that God is all those things. Think about how crazy that is. But, but when, we're, when we're giving our way to sin, <laughs> uh, crazy things happen. But here's the thing, he, he's partially quoting what God said. In Exodus 34, verse 6, here's what God really says. He says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but, but, who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Jonah couldn't wrap his mind around how God could be faithful and steadfast and loving and gracious and merciful and forgiving and hold the guilty accountable for their sin. And so since he couldn't wrap his mind around it, he just turned God into a two-dimensional God where he's like, well, you're just a big softy. You're just going to, you're going to give them a pass. You're not going to hold Nineveh accountable for their, their terroristic deeds. And if you were here for my, my last sermon on Jonah one and two, you heard about some of the things. I mean, they did some horrific things. These were, these were wretched people. They were a terrorist state in their own day, um, uh, just did, did horrible things. And, and Jonah said, you're just going to give them a pass. That's what we do when we're, when we're unrepentant. We diminish God's character. We diminish his nature. We, we, we don't embrace all that he is because we can't understand it. And if we can't understand it, we just walk away from it. We think that we know better than God does. That's, that's really the, the genesis of much of our sin, right? God, I know what you say, but I, I don't think you had this in mind when you came up with that. Like, my situation's a little bit, you know, it's nuanced. And, and, and if you understood where I was, then you would probably be okay with what I'm doing. But he knew. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me when I say that he knew. Here's what I want you to see, though. Man, there's incredible power in repentance. How amazing is it, right? God takes Jonah's imperfect, slightly prideful, repentant prayer and says, okay, I'm going to have this fish spit you out, I'm going to give you another shot. He looks at the people of Nineveh, and listen, I would love to tell you that the people of Nineveh, that this became, after this, the center of the worship of the one true God on the planet Earth, and that they became this legacy of, of God following people who love. Historically, that's not what happened. Sadly, this, this was a change of obedience, the change of, of direction, a change of action, but their, their minds hadn't changed. And God had his reasons for doing this. Uh, perhaps if if they had gone unchecked, they would have wiped the nation of Israel out and left no remnant. Uh, perhaps um, uh, he just needed to buy time for things to change. You know, we don't know the mind of God why why he would bring Nineveh to repentance for a season, but ultimately that they would they would turn back to their wickedness. But God was giving willing to give them another chance. If you're here today and you're breathing, there's a chance. If you're here today and all this talk about repentance has got you feeling like, oh, I feel so convicted, I feel horrible, it's a message of hope. It's a message that says no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter what's going on, if you're willing to turn to him today, he will forgive you. And you don't have to do it perfectly. Anybody here like perfectly aligned with God this morning, right? Anybody like zoned in like, God, your mind, your actions, your deeds, I'm there, all of it? And that's okay. Like, we're striving for that, but he understands that we're not going to get it right every time. We're not going to get it right at the beginning. We're not going to do it perfectly. And he's willing to be patient and to work with us. Is there a call for repentance in your life this morning? Second thing I want to look at is, is effectiveness. Uh, it's kind of fascinating when you look at this story. When, when Jonah is completely in rebellious disobedience to God, he has his most effective moments, right? The sailors are like, please tell us about God. And he's like, ah, I don't really want to tell you. It's just, you know, the God they're like, well, worship him. Where is he, right? Like, they, they can't wait to worship God. And, and, and at the end of that story, they are in all of the one true God, and they're making vows in there and appear to become followers of him. When, when Jonah is partially obedient, he goes, his heart's not in it, but he says the right things. Again, God brings repentance to the city of Nineveh, Think something we never thought could happen, right? Like, we look at America right now, and we're like, man, America will never turn back to God. But, man, Nineveh was farther gone, and they made the turn. So we can't give up hope, right? Like, the, 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 there is hope. But, but, but once again, he was effective. Now, think about, think about Jesus after three years of his earthly ministry, healing, doing miracles, teaching. And he's, and he's arrested and he's beaten. And they put a crown of thorns on his head and the blood is dripping down and they put a, 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 a purple wrap around him to mock him. And they bring him out and they say, here is your king. Shall I release him? And the people say, no. What should I do? Crucify him. In that moment, you're looking and say, Man, how effective was Jesus' ministry? Looks like he didn't do anything. Looks like no one is with him. But we know that in that moment, Jesus was being completely, perfectly obedient to the Father. And what looked like a, a complete failure, a complete ineffectiveness, was the most uh, amazing, effectual thing that ever happened to the human race. Because it was tied not to outward signs of of success, but to the inner sign of a heart-devoted obedience to God. Maybe you're at a spot this this morning where you're like, man, I'm just not seeing, I just need where's the fruit in my life? Where's God? Where's the success? I'm trying to do things the right way, and I'm just not seeing it. And what what he wants you to see is that the scorecard is not about dollars. It's not about people, it's not about relationships all those external measurables that we want to base our life around. The ultimate scorecard is, are we obedient? Are are we connected to God? Are we doing what he desires for us to do? Are we seeking with everything that we have to live the life that he wants us to live? And if you are, can I just encourage you this morning that you are a success? that you are exactly where God wants you to be. It might not look like it anywhere around you. Your bank account may not tell you that. The people that you most want praise and, and admiration from, they might not tell you that. Instagram may not tell you that. But God is telling you, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's where you want to be. This, this, uh, the story is missing something, right? It's calling out for the prophet who obeys with a true heart, right? Jonah Jonah represents two different types of prophets. The first time is a disobedient prophet who refuses to do what God says. And then on the second occurrence, he's an obedient prophet, but his heart is is still distant from God. And it leaves you wanting, like, man, where's the, where's the, the, the true prophet who will just do what God says and do it out of his heart? We know that that's who Jesus is. That, that's what he does. And so when Jesus was doing ministry and the people were lining up to be healed and to listen to him and they wanted to elevate him and make him a king, Jesus would go away early in the morning and pray with the father and the father would say, hey, I want you to go across the lake. And the disciples would be like, hey, we've got everybody queued up. We're ready for the, the man, it's going to be awesome. And Jesus was like, no, jump in the boats. We're headed out. <laughs> this looks like success to you, but my father has something else in mind. That's the path that we want to follow so repentance, understanding what true effectiveness, what the true scorecard is and the third thing is God's heart for us I had uh, I had one of those nights this week uh, I was just uh, I was kind of wrestling with some things uh, and I woke up at like three in the morning and I couldn't go back to sleep and felt a little bit sick on my stomach you know and so I got up I was like, I need to reset, drink some water um, I was like man I need to I just need a word from God I need to get into God's word and so it was 3 a.m. on the morning of the 8th. And so I was like, I'll just turn to Psalm 8, right? Like that's work some, some numbers thing. Maybe God will do something here, right? And, um, and here's what I read in Psalm 8. He says, uh, he says when I look at your, your heavens, when I look at the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you've made him a little lower than the heavy, heavenly beings and crowns him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. It's God saying, Hey, look at creation, all the marvels, all the wonders. I want you to know that I see you, and I care for you, and I love you, and I'm in this with you, whatever you're going through. He looked at Nineveh and he said, he said You're worried about this plant? <laughs> you didn't labor for the plant, you didn't make that plant grow, and you didn't make it die. But, but shouldn't I care about these people? 120,000 people? In cattle, there's this living things hierarchy, right? Like people are more important than cattle. Cattle are more important than plants. You can argue with me on that one, right? <laughs> but, but there's value in living things, in God's creation. And, and God cares. He, he cares for every hair on your head. He loves you. He wants you to be in a right relationship with him. And Jesus showed this by his, his voluntary... Uh, love attachment to us. Jonah looked at his enemies and said, I want them to burn. I want them to suffer. God, strike them down. Jesus looked at his enemies and said, I want them to live. I'm willing to die in their place. Listen to uh, the words of Tim Keller uh, from his book, The Prodigal Prophet. And if you are resonating with anything in this sermon, I would encourage you to grab this book. It's a great book. But man, we live in such a divided culture, a divided society. We're coming up on an election year. It's going to get worse before it gets better. I promise you. Here's what he says. He says, There are many people who have no idea what they should be living for or the meaning of their lives, nor have they any guide to tell them right from wrong. God looks down at people in that kind of spiritual fog, that spiritual stupidity, and he doesn't say, You idiots! When we look at people who have brought trouble into their lives by their own foolishness, we say things like, serves them right. Or we mock them on social media. What kind of imbecile does something like this? When we see people of the other political party defeated, we just gloat. This is all a way of detaching ourselves from them. We distance ourselves from them, partly out of pride, and partly because we don't want their unhappiness to be ours. God doesn't do that. Real compassion, the voluntary attachment of our hearts to others, means the sadness of their conditions makes us sad. It affects us. That is deeply uncomfortable, but it's the character of compassion. It's a good book. <laughs> you should check it out, right? What he's saying is, is, is when we... Uh, we can do this with anyone. We, we make God two-dimensional and we, and we put him in a box and we say, I don't agree with you. We, we look at people that are enemies and we, and we make them two-dimensional. But when we, when we incarnate, when we enter in, then we see them as people and we can begin to love them. And that's what Jesus did for us. Jonah never wept over the city of Nineveh. He called for its destruction, but Jesus, when he stood over Jerusalem, he wept for the city. Because he knew their their rebellion and their hard heartedness and their disobedience would lead to the destruction of that city and those people that God loved. Jonah went outside of the city in hopes of witnessing its condemnation. Jesus was led outside of the city and he was crucified on a hill outside of the city for the salvation of us all. Jonah sat under the shade of of a tree so he could be comfortable. Jesus was hung on a tree so that we would not face condemnation. Jesus is everything that we would have desired Jonah to be, and he wants you and I to live as he lived. He wants us to be united with him in suffering and in resurrection so that we can love our enemies, bless those who curse us, so that our hearts would be repentant and they would be aligned with his. What's God speaking to you about this morning? Is it a need for forgiveness? Is it a need for empathy? Is it, is it a need to just stop the outrage, the morally outraged posts on social media where you're sure you know the answer? <laughs> Do you need to listen more than you, you talk? What, what is it that God's saying to you? Will you turn your actions and will you turn your mind? face towards Jesus. He loves you and he wants you to do it. Let's pray.